Continuing our study of the more natural aspects of God's moral character, we raise the question, what do we know about the limitations imposed upon the exercise of God's loving kindness and mercy from the Bible? We have been considering this great manifestation of the loving heart of God and have seen that it manifests itself first in an abounding state of loving kindness and tender mercy within the disposition of God and that this disposition manifests itself in tolerance or long-suffering or slowness in the execution of justice and righteousness in the hopes that mercy may be extended and that further there are abounding records in the Bible that God's mercy has been wonderfully extended to men. And so we consider the question as to whether there are any limitations in the extension of this mercy, and if so, what they are, and how God has arranged to solve them. In Psalm 78:41, we read, They turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. So God is expressly said to have been limited in his operations of mercy. God cannot do everything. This statement may seem astonishing to some, but it is nevertheless a fact that what God cannot do consistent with all his obligations as dictated by his benevolent love toward all, which has been a voluntary and perpetual choice, he cannot do it all. God has more than himself to consider by virtue of his position as the exalted moral governor of the universe. These obligations compel him in great responsibility to perform all his duties toward his subjects. His inner perfection of wisdom and knowledge inerrantly affirm what is right and proper to be done all things considered. If God refuses to be guided by his reason as reflecting his great moral light, he would thereby cease to be perfect love, since he would then be doing certain things out of reasons apart from impartial love toward all, or from motives of selfishness. But the scriptures declare God to be motivated by love in all his actions and that God is no respecter of persons, or is absolutely impartial toward all. Therefore God invites us to analyze his great actions, or look for the reasons back of them. In the first place, we should mention some things that are not limitations upon the exercise of divine mercy. In the first place, Mercy and forgiveness is not withheld from any because of God's arbitrariness in choosing the one and passing by another, or in the exercise of favoritism. None shall be omitted from the manifestation of God's merciful kindness because God simply did not choose them to partake of such mercy and blessing. In Proverbs 28 and verse 21, we read these words, To have respect of persons is not good. 
And in James 2, 9, we read, But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. So if man is admonished not to be a respecter of persons, certainly God adheres to the same law of universal benevolence. In the 10th chapter of Deuteronomy and verse 17 we read, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty, and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. So God in his great being regardeth not persons. In 1619 of Deuteronomy, we have the admonition, Thou shalt not respect persons. In Second Chronicles chapter 19 and verse 7, we have also the admonition concerning impartiality. Wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. But as we come to the New Testament, we read many times over this blessed impartiality of God's actions. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 11, For there is no respect of persons with God. And then in 1 Peter, Chapter 1 and verse 17, we read these words, If ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. So the Father, without respect of persons, judgeth everyone in perfect righteousness. We also have this affirmed in a number of other scriptures, in the New Testament. So we may confidently affirm that none shall be shut out from the mercy and loving kindness of God because of God's arbitrary choice to prefer one above another. But in the second place, the absence of personal merit in anyone is not a barrier to the manifestation of God's mercy and kindness in the forgiveness of sin. For then, plainly enough, no one would be forgiven. For we read in Romans chapter 3 and verse 12, They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And in verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in the fifth chapter of Romans and verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the Lord's mercy was manifested when we were in a state of rebellion and unsubmissiveness toward the great tender heart of his loving care. And then in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, we read that all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And then in Micah chapter 7 and verse 18, we read that contrarywise, God is the great God that delighteth 
in mercy. Oh, how remarkable is this tender and profound assertion from the kind heart of God. How contrary wise to our attitude. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. So none shall be shut out from the mercy and kindness and love of God because of their own personal demerits. For then, plainly enough, no one would ever be saved. But in the third place, we may say, the fact that no one is taking the initiative in seeking after God for reconciliation is not an impossible barrier to God's kindness and God's mercy. In the third chapter of Romans again, and verses 10 to 12, we read this assertion, as it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. So if God were not to seek after man, according to the testimony of Scripture, man would not seek after God. When we insist upon the Bible declaration that all men must repent of their sins if they're going to be saved, we are not inferring that man comes to the door of God's acceptance, so to speak, and raps loudly upon that door and insists upon entry, declaring his repentance. What we are affirming is this, that the Spirit of the living God is exercising his great and tender and abounding mercy in seeking to bring light and to bring persuasion upon all the souls of men so that they may repent and come to him and make it possible for him to forgive them their sins. But it is man that refuses stubbornly to react to God's kindness. As we have read in Romans 2, 4, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. And then in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 13, we read these words from the precious word of God. How wonderful that we have the word of the Lord to testify of the great and merciful and kind heart of God. For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. This tragic fact Isaiah declared a number of times in his great prophecy. Even though God is obliged to send judgment and chastisement upon man for his rebellion, man still does not react in coming to God. So we are happy that the fact that man does not seek after God is not a barrier to the kindness and mercy of God, or that God is not merely negative in man's reconciliation, but that God is positive in his great and profound efforts to reconcile himself and to reconcile man to himself, that there might be a restoration and a happiness of forgiveness apart from this reconciliation, apart from God's operations in seeking out man 
and seeking to persuade him by every possible means to come to the place of repentance and acceptance of his loving grace and mercy, no man would ever be saved. So we have these brief comments on some things that are not limitations upon the exercise of divine mercy. We shall in our next considerations go on to affirm some things that are definitely limitations upon the kindness and mercy of God. Some of these limitations God has wonderfully overcome, but there always remains the limitation of man's unsubmissiveness. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 5.20, We beseech you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And so the message goes forth today, beseeching all to be reconciled to God in the humbling necessity of repentance and forsaking of sin. Our Heavenly Father, how we thank Thee that the invitation of the glorious gospel goes forth today, and how we thank Thee that Thy mercy has overcome the great barrier of forgiveness remaining necessary only that we repent of sin with all our hearts, look by faith to Jesus Christ as the suffering Savior, thereby be forgiven and restored to thee to live for thy glory forever. May many do so in Jesus' name. Amen.